We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night, eight p.m. Pacific time, right here in the AM eleven seventy KCBQ studios. And sharing this time with me. In addition to all y'all out there in social media land and over the internet, following me on Twitter at Andrea K Show and friending me and uh, on Facebook, as well as liking my page, Andrea K. Sharing this time with me is none other than DJ Carrot Sticks Todd. I like pie. <laughs> you like pie, but you don't let me bring you donuts anymore, baby. No, no more donuts. No more donuts. Hey, we got donuts and dynamite, though, right here in the studio, because, you know, I'm sitting here packing my donuts and my dynamite here, as well as I think I may need to change the intro because I might have gained a couple of pounds eating the world's biggest egg salad sandwich before we went live. But I'm looking forward to sharing the next two hours with you all and talking about everything that's happening out there. A few different ways to be a part of the show. You can post on Facebook. That's where the real genius is happening out there as well as on Twitter. You can give me a call here in the studio, 888-344-1170. I don't usually give the number out. Don't usually take a whole lot of calls, but maybe I'll open up the phones tonight um, and see what's all on your mind. And um, I'm also thinking about, I'm going to throw this out there, Todd. I'm thinking I'm going to like maybe maybe introduce a new segment towards the end of the show. I'll keep y'all posted. I was kind of inspired today um, in terms of introducing something new towards the end of the show. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Um, I always look forward to Mondays because, like I said, I do get to share this time with you, even though tonight I'm going to be getting into something a, a little bit more serious. And, and I'm sure you're saying more serious than you ever are, Andrea. Yeah, because you know what? It's getting more serious by the day as we get closer to this 2016 election. Absolutely more critical. And tonight we're going to talk about from Sanders to Syria, from Marxist to Muslims, inside the suicide. And you're probably going, oh, come on, that's getting a little too heavy. But you know what? Actually, it's not. And we're going to get inside that tonight. Uh, the GOP, we're going to talk about them because, you know, they. what are they doing to counter it? They have a big meeting Tuesday in which they're going to put their plans for their actions, in, you know, together in terms of no, November. We're going to talk about that. Uh, hopefully, they're going to actually do something with the majority that we gave them back in November. Uh, including repealing and replacing Obamacare. And as I said, we're going to get inside the suicide, and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. It's a key element to the internal takeover, something President Reagan warned us about many years ago. And we've actually got an interview tonight with a doctor, an orthopedist here in San Diego, Dr. Damon Valletta, Damian Valletta, uh, who is going to give his perspective about what it means to be a doctor, which is a business owner, and what it means today to try to do that under Obamacare. I want to read you a quote, getting back into the, into the suicide. 
The destruction is being executed willfully, deliberately, and with malice aforethought. This is the greatest organized betrayal in Western history. And when I read that in an article, I thought, I, I, because I, was, I read it in the middle of an article, I knew exactly what it was referring to. But I thought, how appropriate, because it could really mean so many things. It could be talking about the Obama presidency. Which is clearly, I get, I get so angry when I hear Republicans and strategists talk about Obama being, um, having just, just being the issue with him being inexperienced and that he learned on the job. That's not the issue with him. He is an ideologue and everything that he's done has been willful. It has been deliberate and it's clearly been with malice as he is the most anti-American person to ever exist. I, I, I can't even stand to call him my president. And it's also been a betrayal on Western history. But it could also apply to the entire D.C. establishment because we do have a majority by the Republican Party that was given by a a majority of Americans to stop President Obama when they could see what was happening with Obamacare, when they could see what was happening with the immigration crisis and the borders. They could see what he was trying to do. He was acting like a dictator in his anti-American takeover of America. But that quote was actually referring to, it was written by Gates of Vienna, and it was regarding their their article called The Suicide of Western Culture, and it was through the embrace of Islamic immigration, which again, actually applies to the Obama administration. And that's exactly what's going on with the West and with America. We are committing suicide. It absolutely is a suicide. And then I got to thinking about the fact that so many people today, even people in their, in young people in their 20s, love to throw around uh, the, oh, you're a Kool-Aid drinker and, you know, hashtag Kool-Aid. And I wonder how many of them actually know what that reference is in regard to. Most of you out there, my listeners, you know exactly what being a Kool-Aid drinker literally means. It's a reference to the Jonestown Massacre in which many people followed a cult leader down to South America, I think it was British Guiana, and he actually convinced these people to drink poison Kool-Aid and commit suicide. So I actually think that this Kool-Aid drinker comment, even though most of the most of the people throwing it around are liberals and don't even know what it means, it absolutely applies to what's going on in this country because we have Americans who should know better. Forget the fact that you don't even get a pass that the liberals have taken over the school system and have been indoctrinating us for decades. You know better, better Americans than to be drinking the Kool-Aid of Marxism and Islamic immigration into this country. And those are really the two forms of the poison. See, it's not just one big gulp of Kool-Aid that's being fed to the American people. It's actually Kool-Aid in like jello shot form or maybe gummy bears, little bite size. It's suicide by little gummy bears of poison. But the two main things is Marxism and Muslims. That's the way that we're committing suicide literally as a country and allowing them to take us over from within. And we're going to get inside all the different ways that these gummy bears are happening from the different policies and the different tactics and the things that I think the Republican Party and the GOP should do, as well as Christians. I actually had a Facebook friend who actually posed a question yesterday. I put it out there. I said, you know, I, I, last night I said, I finally sat down I, after a very long day and I was starting to plan tonight's show. And I put I put it out there like I always do to everybody out there. What do you really want me to talk about? And one of the most insightful comments and questions was, it was I think it was Pamela Ann, and she said, I want you to talk about why Christians aren't standing up more for what's happening in this country. 
And they absolutely should have. If you look at the two umbrella issues, the the two main issues, because everything, all the policies and the tactics and the strategies I'm going to talk about are really symptoms of a problem. But if you look at the Marxist and the Muslims as the two key areas, and I've been talking for years about how those two are connected. People told me for years, oh, no, you know, those two aren't, aren't tied together because Marxism depends on, on a, a removal of God and state. But Sharia and Muslims, they don't care whether or not it's it's removed from the state. It's about it's a political movement with a centralized government in control. And Christians really need to be standing up. And every American, our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And that is what has been destroyed and taken away from us in a variety of different ways and been replaced with these gummy bears of Marxism and Islam and, and Muslim immigration and tolerance to Muslims and Islamophobia under the political correctness game of Islamophobia. Tonight, we've got this this kid who took a, a what obviously looked like a bomb into a school named Ahmed Muhammad, who just went and hung out with the president of the Sudan, who's been committing mass genocide for how long? And he's cozying up to the president of the United States tonight. So and, and the American people are defending this. That's mass suicide. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to get inside the suicide, and we're going to talk about all the different ways that this is being perpetrated on us and why the American people are eating it up. You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? Levita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LevitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Miramar Kitchen and Bath. Convenient, homestyle recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it, too. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Have y'all figured out where the music is from tonight? Maybe I'll just leave them guessing, Todd. Maybe they'll figure it out. One of my favorite soundtracks. That's a hint. It's one of my favorite soundtracks from one of my favorite movies of all time. I bet Timothy Shea knows the answer to this one. He's kind of into music, too. And before the break, we were talking about uh, the West committing suicide. It's completely suicide. You know why? One of the reasons why I, I can say that? Because it, it it's intentional. The American people 
can look to see that what they're trying to implement here with the welcoming of Islam here in this nation, as well as the Marxist Marxism that's going on, people tell me, oh, there's no way Bernie Sanders can get elected. Oh, you know, really? Did we really think that we would have a Muslim as the president of the United States? Let's be honest. That's exactly what he is. If if he's not worshiping Allah, he's he's certainly, you know, defending um, that movement as if he we have a president of the United States. I'm just going to say it. Who is the enemy within? He's banding together with the Islamist to take us over from within. It is calculated. It is willful. It is a deliberate destruction of our country. And the American people are watching him do here and with the help of the GOP and with the Democrat Party, exactly what's already been done in Europe. I had a guy tell me five years ago when I did some dopey Internet, you know, talk show thing, tell me we, that could never happen here. He told me this five years ago. I told him about the book that I read by Bruce Bauer while Europe slept about the Islamization of the entire European content uh, um, continent and what had happened over there. He said that could never happen here in America. Never happened here. Well, guess what? It is happening here. It's happening here because the American people are allowing it to happen. We are allowing the government here of America to do exactly what has happened in Europe. Last week, we had the Democrat debate. And what was said on that stage, among among other things, I'm going to get into a little bit of the Democrat debate a little bit later in the show. But one of the things that Bernie Sanders talked about, oh, Denmark. Oh, they just love to quote the amazing uh, success of Scandinavia. Let me read to you. Uh, from the Netherlands, what a gentleman named Mikhail de Graaf, I don't even know how to say his name, what he had to say. And this was actually in last year when he, in, when he gave an, an address to their government. He said, With, without Islam, the Netherlands would not be losing $7.2 billion per year on mass Muslim immigration. He said, without Islam, there would be no mosques in Netherlands and people would not be confronted every day by Islamic headscarves, hate beards, and minarets. A minaret, by the way, is what we have now. Don't tell me he's not the enemy within and we haven't been taken over. We have a minaret at the top of the Freedom Tower now, which was taken down by Muslims when the Twin Towers were taken down. He goes on to say, a country without all the symbols of Islamic domination. He says, wonderful. What a country the Netherlands would be. He says, without Islam, Jewish children would be able to go to school without protection and gays and lesbians would be safer on our streets. Listen, wise up, my lesbian LBGT friends out there. You were partnered up with the wrong party. See, the Democrat Party wants to dangle something like a marriage certificate at you and tell you we're the party of hate and the Republicans. Meanwhile, you pay attention to what's happened over in Europe because that's what, what's happening here. Gay people are literally not safe to walk the streets. Neither are Jews. Why in the world any Jew ever votes Democrat is absolutely crazy to me. Talk about chewing on some, some poisonous gummy bears. He goes on to say, without Islam, we would need fewer prisons and police. Integration subsidies would be unnecessary. We would have less mistreatment of animals because these barbarians are abusive of animals as well as they are other human beings. And apartheid would be a word in the history books. Without Islam, highly qualified Dutch people would feel less inclined to emigrate and leave. Because you know what? This is kind of crap happens here. I'm going to find some place to go to. I'm not sure where it is, Todd. I may, I may end up in Panama, I, but I'm going somewhere that does not have this. 
All right. Without Islam, Sharia would be in, it would not be insidiously introduced in more and more districts. Children at school would not be confronted with halal meat during Christmas dinner. The Christmas trees would not be a subject for discussion. And the Ramadan would not result in empty, empty classrooms. Without Islam, there'd be no jihad fighters, no substantial level of threat concerning terrorism, and no children rejoicing in the streets after the mass murders of the World Trade Centers in 9-11. He says, imagine what a wonderful country that would be if you could leave all that behind you. He says, the Muslims who generally come here do not change, they do not integrate, they do not assimilate. They convert the Netherlands at our expense, he says, into their own homeland with all the mosques, mosques and the original population are just guests. Islamic immigration, the Hijra, has been doing things this way for 1,400 years, and that will not change. It is bringing anti-Semitism back into Europe. And this, my friends, what he just described is what has been happening for decades now over in Europe, and it is what the United States government, headed by Obama, what his plan was from the get-go. We weren't allowed to question it. McCain went along with it, who's just as much an enemy to me as Barack Obama is. He sat over and gave his I'm a citizen of the world speech in Cairo for a reason with the Muslim Brotherhood on the front the front row. The American people are chewing on some gummy bears. Um, more articles. I mean, I guess I don't even need to tell you what's going on with Germany. And how Angela Merkel, you know, she's letting in all these immigrants. Basically, as an article comes out today, she's been over in Turkey, cozying up with them. You know, it's all about a financial deal to get Turkey into the European Union, which is all really ultimately the big movement is for a one world government. And that's something else that that the the left and with a complicit GOP wants. They want to move us to a one world government. But there's some countries getting it that are pushing back like Switzerland. Uh, the Swiss Populist Party, known for uh, its campaigns against uh, immigration, they just want a record number of seats. You know, maybe I'll move to Switzerland. Maybe that's what I need to do, Todd, is move over there. You want a symbol for what's happening. The greatest symbol of Islam is what's happening in an Austrian town called Nikolsdorf. It has been turned into a Muslim mecca, mecca Todd, of feces and garbage. Because that's what ends up happening with them. It's conquest, it's destruction, and it's filth. That's just the reality. And that's what the American people are bringing here. And they're doing it willfully. And we're being told by people like a California congressman tonight who was on a CNN who was saying that the Syrian crisis, he says that it's the humanitarian, the Syrian refugees is the humanitarian crisis of our times. Really? See, I would like to think that the humanitarian crisis of our time is the millions of children being shredded to have their parts sold. Or how about the girls being mutilated by Muslims in genital, female genital mutilation and then being sold off as child brides? Or how about the Christian children being beheaded and crucified by Muslims all around the world en masse? No, the Democrats want to act as though these refugees, which aren't, which, you know, supposedly... Our families and children? No, every picture I see. You want to know who's leaving behind the trash piles and the feces piles all over Europe right now with these refugees? It's 20-something-year-old freedom freedom jihadists coming out of Syria. And in fact, reports are telling us that the majority of them are not even Syrians. This is a ruse. What this is, is it's a Muslim version of what's happened with South America and with the Mexicans. It's all about expanding the, the, the dependency class because they know they're not coming here to integrate. 
We know from Baltimore, somebody asked me on Facebook yesterday when I posed the question, what do you guys want to talk about? Uh, they, want, they said they wanted to talk about who's going to pay for these refugees. I said the taxpayers. Well, who's going to let them get away with that? The taxpayers are letting them get away with it. The American people are on board with it. Some uh, Ahmed Mohammed brings a, what looks like a, a bomb to school and it starts ticking. And you know what? The teacher who got concerned about it and sent him to the principal's office is the one who, uh, is the one who became the bad guy. See, we're being softened. We're, we're being, and, and, and Americans are, are going all along with it. They're drinking the poison. What about the story you said the other day about the guy in the army that uh, was trying to stop the molestation? Well, I haven't heard any more updates on that. I know that young Duncan was in, in another congressman introduced a resolution to try to allow him to be reinstated. And I haven't heard any more about it. I mean, that that tells you everything you need to know about the enemy that we've got within and what their game plan is to hand us over to Islamicize America when you've got the military. And that's one of their key strategies to weaken us militarily and to take take over the DOD from within. And, you know, it's you know, we now have 5000 that are being left in Afghanistan to do what to stand by and let Afghan commanders chain boys to to, you know, nine year old boys to to a bed to be a sex slave. You know, it's all a part of of so many different ways in which they're basically scrubbing. The anti-Americans are scrubbing everything about our culture and our traditions from the fact that we've got um, there was a report that Peggy posted from Maryland. Todd, I don't know if you saw this to where kids were told they couldn't wear supposedly Confederate flag. And basically it was just pieces of a flag on shirts and and, and, and shorts. No, you know, uh, Mexicans can bring the Mexican flag to school and do Cinco de Mayo and this and this and this. But you can't a kid can't even wear an American flag to school anymore. We've got a Maryland teacher that's being threatened with with losing his job because he's been praying. Did you hear about that, Todd? He's been praying after after football games in Washington and he, they threatened, you know, to, to fire him after the last game. He went out there on the field and he prayed and all the, the football players came out and, and to support him. Many of them probably weren't Christian. And some people are like, well, you know, we have a separation of church and state. Well, OK, it's not as though he required them to get out the Bible. You have a separation of church and state, not a separation of God and state. You know, that's, you know, Bernie Sanders right now, he he has has it out on Twitter. He says his mission in life is to dethrone, dethrone God and destroy capitalism. That's one aspect of the poison that's being shoved down the throats of the American people and the American people little by little, little by little uh, have been tempted and manipulated into wanting to take that bite. And then they've also been, which is shocking to me, that only 14 years after September 11th, Todd, it's shocking to me that the American people have been so manipulated with from political correctness and um, so many other different ways that they've been softened to accept the Islamization. And it's mainly because we are giving people and we are generous people and we're not inherently racist and we do cherish our freedoms and we don't necessarily want to take freedoms away from somebody else. And so the Republican Party needs to get on board. I had this discussion um, with Craig last week on his show. How can the Republican Party, you know, counter these messages? Well, they better get on board with it because the American people are tempted. They're tempted and they've been manipulated and they're ready to continue to take a bite. And, you know, we said 2012 was the most important election we had. It might have been 
Um, but I think we still have another chance. When you look at look at Switzerland and you look at some other these nations over there that are that are pushing back, you know, we still have some hope. In fact, when it comes to the refugee crisis, there's been five countries now, European countries, that said that they're only, they're only going to take Christian refugees. And hat tip to Cyprus, Hungary, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, because they're saying two things. They're saying that the Christians are going to assimilate into their culture because the Muslims won't. And they're saying, this is so common sense. The left is always talking about, we've got to have common sense gun control, common sense this and common sense that. There's nothing that's common sense about liberalism. What's common sense is these five countries saying, another reason why we don't want to take these Syrian refugees from this ISIS-infested country is because they're a threat, a security threat. Because, listen, they all know it wasn't anybody from Cyprus who took down the Twin Towers on September 11th. It was Muslims. We're going to take a break. We're going to pick it up from the other side, and we're going to get get into the other end of it, the other side of the coin, which is the Marxism. We're going to talk about Bernie Sanders because he's got we, – we're going to talk about the Dem debate last week and Bernie Sanders, and he's got a big speech he's going to give about Democratic – the benefits of Democratic Socialism. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. Andrea K. Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. I almost missed my cue to come back. I was reading some of the great comments on Facebook 
from uh, everybody out there. Follow me on Twitter, too, at Andrea K. Show. Don't forget about Twitter. I know that with 140 characters, people tend to like to, to, what's the word, opine on Facebook. They like to talk about Facebook. Uh, there seems to be a question. I don't know if you can maybe Google this, Todd. There was a question on, on uh, that came up on Facebook about what the actual percentage is in terms of Christians who are registered to vote. I think that that would be important to know. You know, I think that the counter to all of this is really Christianity. This country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and that's what we need to stick to. It's what made us the greatest country in the land. This is why it's so shocking to me. You know, and speaking of Christian principles, you know, to think that the American people are choosing what has been the destruction of every country that's ever implemented it, whether it was the Islamization of that country or whether it was Marxism in any of its forms, it's destroyed it, as well as the fact that more people have been murdered en masse by both of those ideologies than any other system. It's shocking to me, but it makes me think as a Christian, it reminds me of that saying in the Bible, there are none who so blind as those who won't see. And I don't know what the exact percentage is. I think it's something like it. Maybe a third of Christians aren't voted, aren't registered and or don't vote. And they really need to, because that's the counter. What do as Christians, what do we believe? You know, last week when I was, when I was on Craig sewing show, he was like, well, how do we, how do we convince Americans as conservatives and as Republicans that they need to vote for us when the left has these great platitudes like Bernie Sanders of free this and free that. And, you know, it just sounds so wonderful to anybody who doesn't have a brain. And it's so tempting. And of course, somebody's going to want to take a bite of the poison gummy bear when they think they're getting something for free. But but we understand a couple of things as Christians. We understand that there's a There's a reason why, let me say it this way in the flip side. There's a reason why the Marxists want to remove God from state because Christians put their faith in a higher being in the Lord and they understand the personal responsibility that goes with that. They understand the value of hard work. It's not, you know, this, what would Jesus do? Jesus would be a liberal because it was all about taking care of the poor. Jesus said, give a man to fish, give a man a fish and you give him a meal, teach a man to fish and he can feed himself for a lifetime. The counter to both of these ideologies that are being the Americans are being manipulated into wanting to take a bite of the counter to that is Christianity. Our message is that of personal responsibility. It's about hard work. It's about morality. It's about ethics. From there's actually even more passages in the Bible about financial responsibility than there is anything else and about how and, and how to properly manage your finances. Christianity is the counter to everything and Christians need to speak up. Another problem, uh, I I, I think that Christians are also so busy speaking of work that one of the reasons why I think they don't necessarily go out to vote is Romney did not prevent, present a clear difference. Don Sherman tonight, I don't know if he's listening, but he got into a little bit of a debate with somebody on Facebook about the fact that he feels like the way the Republican Party needs to counter Bernie Sanders and his free stuff is that they need to offer free or policies or legislation that helps working moms. And this guy, Alan, said, well, wait a second. Isn't that discriminatory against other women who don't have children? Yeah. In fact, when I was in the workplace, I argued against 
other women, co-workers of mine who had children, why should they be given any greater benefit? Because they chose to have a child. That was their choice. I didn't get six weeks off when I got a puppy. And let me tell you, having a brand new puppy in your home probably requires just as much of your attention and needs just as much care because you got a potty train. The, the, the puppy ain't running around in a diaper. Okay, you call me crazy, but you know what? That was if if I get a puppy and got a puppy when I was in in corporate America, that was my responsibility. So, no, I don't think the Republican Party needs to go around offering now Democrat light or Marxist light or socialist light as a solution. The Republican Party needs to needs to stick to Christian principles, and they also need to articulate a couple of economic messages. They need to, first of all point out the fact that when Bernie talks about how he's going to go around and give his speech, he's now admitting, he's now admitting that he's going to have to raise taxes on everybody. First lesson in economics, there's no such thing as a free lunch. That's a simple message that every American can understand. The solution is not to do what Don Sherman says and have the Republican Party trying to counter with who can, you know, do what happened to the Democrat debate last week was it was two hours of we're going to compete with who can offer by your vote with the most offerings and hope that you're dumb enough to not understand that you're actually going to be the ones to pay for it. Well, the Republican Party needs to educate the American people that they are the ones who are going to pay for it because there is no such thing as government money. Every dollar that's spent by the government, it, whether it's at a state school or whatever, is money that was taken from one citizen and spent by the government. That's an easy thing for the average American to understand. And when they start to understand that and you start to convey simple economics to them that, okay, it sounds really good now, but here's what's going to happen down the road. The American people can understand that. But we can't wait until we're already at 40-something percent of the American people that are on government assistance. We can't, once that happens, once they've been eating those gummy bears, it's hard to get them off of it. And we need to get to the middle people now who, who have a brain. There was a focus group session that was done, much to Hillary's dismay. Her poll numbers, by the way, she actually went up a few points. Um, I don't know why for the life of me so many Republicans are saying they want Joe Biden uh, to enter in the race. It looks like he's going to. Uh, oh, save us from Hillary. What? I've, I've heard Republicans say, really? No. W- w- you know, w- save America from the establishment in both parties. What are you saying, Republicans, trying to encourage Joe Biden to get in the race? I mean, are you crazy? You're, you know, come on. Um, but there was actually a... Um, a focus group that was done with college-educated white women. It was done by a Democrat strategist, and these were Democrat women. And the strategist was so outraged and astonished by the fact that these women said they were not going to give Hillary a pass for being a liar. They went on to say that, you know, it, the fact that she was going to be the first woman president if she got elected really didn't mean anything to them. See, the Dems actually think that, you know, by offering, you know, playing this identity politics game that that, that works on everybody, it doesn't. And when I read that, I thought, you know what, there's some hope right there because that that should tell the Republican Party that, you know what, don't back down on holding Hillary Clinton accountable. Right now we have Trey Gowdy really being forced to defend what he shouldn't have to defend, 
which is the committee hearings to go after Hillary. He shouldn't be forced to defend that. He shouldn't be promising fairness to Hillary Clinton. Oh, I'm not trying to go after Hillary. You should be going after Hillary. It was on her watch the four Americans died. That's the whole point of oversight. You had one job. It's been three years. You better be going after her. Stop promising that you're not going to go after the emails. Stop promising that you're going to be nice to her. This was a woman that you didn't even force to to have to even be under oath when she came out before. This is a woman that you let yell at you all in the committee meeting. Uh, What difference does it make? It makes a huge amount of difference. The whole point is that it makes a difference as to whether or not the American government was involved with the deaths of four people. Why couldn't one Republican in the committee say that? Why can't any Republicans now, when we've got a Marxist running for president of the United States, why is it that nobody's calling him out on it? Oh, you know what? There is one candidate who's calling him out on it. One. And it's Trump. You know what? The establishment is now saying Trump can win the nomination. They kept thinking he was going to go away and they were going to shove Jeb Bush down us like they did Romney, like they did McCain. And now they're realizing that they're kind of got to be dealing with Trump. And you know what? Kudos to him for the fact that he's calling Sanders out on his Marxist. In fact, he's going to give a speech about democratic socialism. See, it's all about the words. It's all, that's part of the manipulation to make people think that it's something that it's not, to make them want to take the bite of the gummy bear. But what is he all about? He's all about in admitting that he's got to raise taxes on everybody in order to get the free college educations that won't be free. He's got to uh, damage and hurt the middle class by increasing the payroll tax to pay for 12 weeks of maternity leave for women who shouldn't have a kid if they can't afford to take care of it. It's not my responsibility to provide child care, which is basically what we're talking about to a woman who's had a kid. If you can't afford to have a kid and take care of it yourself, don't have it, okay? Um, He's wanting to hurt the middle class with the inheritance tax, which is a death tax, which is basically taking money from people. Who does that hurt? That hurts the middle class because there's people like friends of mine that work their entire adult life to build a business. I mean, working 14 hours a day to build a business, paying taxes and taxes and taxes each and uh, along the way. And they want to be able to give the proceeds, that business and the proceeds of that business to their children. But Bernie Sanders gets in there and he's going to take 90% of it. But he's calling it democratic socialism. So I guess because he's only taken 90% and not 100%, like, like you know, full-on USSR, I guess we're supposed to be grateful for that. Ooh, that's democratic socialism. <laughs> you know, it's partway socialism. You know, well, you know, George Stephanopoulos and other people like getting a little leer, getting a little nervous. Well, you know, we talk about the, you know, the openness of the socialism. Well, you know, yeah, we, everybody should be nervous. And somebody says, oh, it's only partway socialism. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you're being a little teenage virgin in the backseat of the car and some boy saying, yeah, I'm only going to put it partway in. You know, well, <laughs> sorry, Todd. <laughs> well, that's what's going on here. And the American people are like, it's sounding good to them. I've even got Don Sherman actually saying, oh, you know, he's running scared. Let's offer, let's offer something to the women out there, the working women. You know, here's what we need to offer the American people out there. We need to offer them some common sense. The Republican Party needs to tell them there's no such thing as a free lunch. We need to get back to what made this country the greatest country on the face of the earth. And it was Judeo-Christian principles. 
we need to do like this guy from Netherlands said. He said they he said the Netherlands I was quoting earlier, they must be de-islamized, all mosques must be closed, jihadists jihadists must be expelled and never be allowed back and the borders must be closed to people from Islamic countries. Trump got into some trouble by saying, I know I'm I'm up up, up against a break, but I want to get into a little bit about this Trump thing. He got into some trouble because we're talking about the Islamization of America and the threat that we face from radical Islam. And by the way, in that Democrat debate last week, they were asked, what's the greatest threat that we face as a nation? Not one of them said radical Islam. It was all climate change. And I've got some couple articles to talk about about climate change a little bit later. But Trump got into some trouble because he said in a Bloomberg interview the other day, he said, well, you know, 9-11 did happen under Bush's watch. Um, uh, And of course, that's become, you know, the big talk. I'm kind of glad in a way because now more people are talking about the threat of radical Islam because now they're starting to reassess. It's bringing Trump did what what he does. He is now brought more attention to radical Islam and what happened. I do wish that he had actually gotten into the pre-Bush days because one of the things that we need to remember about Bush was only in office for nine months. It was a truncated first nine months because after what happened with the 2000 election with Gore, um, he didn't even get his his cabinet. I think he was into April and May before he even had his cabinet all you know in their positions. Um, also... Um, one of the things that Bush did really, really well that he caught a lot of flack for was after 9-11 happened, what he did to try to route out the terrorists and what he did with his advanced interrogation techniques, which is actually what led to the capture and, and, and the murder of Osama bin Laden. But I do, and while I'm disappointed that Trump, if he was going to try to you know blame anybody for 9-11, he should have laid that blame. Uh, at Clinton, because Clinton was the one that had many shots to get at, uh, Osama bin Laden, and he didn't. But where there is blame for both is the fact that neither one of them has said that the ideology that we face is the issue. And one of the mistakes that Bush made was, first of all, being a big government guy, he gave us the Department of Homeland Security, and no, we're not any safer today with the DHS. Now we just have more people on the payroll, more people on the government dole that really have not done anything to keep us safe. What they really needed to do was instead of adding more layers of government, they really needed to take the walls from down from between the interrogation um, agencies, uh, the intelligence agencies, and tighten up on the intelligence. Instead of building $40 trillion or whatever it costs facility out in Nevada to data mine American people. So yes, there is a lot of criticism that can be aimed at President Bush. I'd resent the fact that after 9-11, that he embraced moderate Islam and did an interfaith cer- ceremony where he brought an imam there. He is just as much to blame in terms of the Islamization and what's going on. He set the stage for President Obama. He actually brought refugees here from those areas, from the Sudan, over in, in, in Minnesota, where we now have homegrown terrorists that have come out of. President Bush is to blame for a lot of that. So there is blame to go to President Bush. I, and I think, and I'm kind of glad that Trump has raised this issue. I just wish now it would get to a place to where it would be about the ideology and not just about pointing fingers about, you know, Bush uh, versus Clinton and actually kind of, you know, now we need him to say what the actual threat is. We're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to pick it up on the other side. Don't change that dial, folks. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Miramar Kitchen and you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show hey have y'all figured out yet where that music is from it's from the soundtrack of Pulp Fiction one of my favorite movies hey um, I'm gonna remind y'all of I was talking before the break you know what are the two pillars if you will you know Lincoln predicted it he said it would not be the barbarians at the gate that would take us down it would be our own internal fifth column. They're trying to take us down through Marxism and through Muslims. And it's happening here. People said it could never happen here. What's happened in Europe? Well, it's happening right now. In terms of Marxism, um, I, I mentioned this last week, and I think it, it, it bears repeating again. You know, um, there was a, that Venezuelan. Um, no, it was actually the Bolivar State uh, Governor Francisco Rangel, you know, said, let them eat fried rocks. In regarding to his people. In other words, you know, anything for the revolution. I mentioned this last week and then Eric posted it again. And uh, it, it, this is a great article from Investors Business Daily that talks about the insanity of not just these systems, but the people that actually believe in it. And the lunacy of the fact that we've got an American people that are buying into the same ideology, the ideology of socialism that doesn't work anywhere it's ever been implemented. But I guess people think that if, if somehow... If it's implemented here, it's going to work. It's absolutely insane. Speaking of insane is um, the Republican Party just losing their minds. And, you know, here we are going into November. We still don't have a speaker. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I haven't even heard any more about what's going on with that. But, you know, initially when it happened a week or so ago, Boehner was ousted and, then, you know, McCarthy, who has really done us a lot of damage over this Benghazi thing, when he backed off, I was like, good, you know, the Republican Party has an opportunity here, you know, to kind of regroup, find somebody that can coalesce, hopefully a conservative. Maybe they're going to understand that the mood of the nation is that we don't want somebody establishment. We want somebody to take us back to a smaller government and what the Republican Party was supposed to be about. Uh, then they put forth Ryan. I don't know where that's at. Now we're going into November. And what do we have? We have John Boehner, still a Speaker of the House. And he's saying we got to raise the debt limit. Well, uh, why do we have to raise the debt limit? You know, if I if I'm at my if I'm, I'm at my credit card limit and I go into Nordstrom and I try to buy something, I'm at my limit. They take my card and they cut it up and they give it back to me. You know, we have the Republican Party that supposedly now 
What were some of the big, biggest issues that we had? Obamacare. We've had Planned Parenthood. Still no FBI investigation. Uh, we've we've had. Um, they're, they're still funded. Um, we've had um, Obamacare that we were promised to repeal and replace. We were supposed to get the debt under control. We were told that the House passed all these, you know, budgets, and we just needed to control the Senate, and then we would have a budget. Um, we had Kate Steinle, who was murdered. The House, you know, passed a bill to um, defund sanctuary cities. Well, tomorrow um, we have a vote on a bill to defund sanctuary cities. Bill O'Reilly is predicting that it's not going to pass because it's been it's been loaded with too many different things. And because of that, there's going to be a filibuster and the Republicans don't have 60 votes to override a filibuster. And it's all a sham, just like the setup to pass the TPP and the TPA was a sham. Um, so we'll keep you posted on what's going to happen with with that. I don't really know. Um, who we're going to end up with as speaker. I'm going to an event tomorrow with Newt Gingrich, and I'm going with Elisa Brent to a Newt Gingrich event tomorrow. He's in town for a book that he's written called Duplicity. And I would love, 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 I'm hoping when I go tomorrow, I would love the Republican Party to do something, you know, do something outside the box, show the American people they get it, capture the mood, bring somebody in with experience, somebody who knows how to get things done, get things done in a way that is... It was Newt himself. He was the one with his contract of with America. He was the one who worked with Bill Clinton, who, who after working with Newt Gingrich, said, you know, the 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 era of big government is over. That's when we had true welfare reform. The left loves to brag about what happened with the surplus and how those were some great economic times during the eight years of Clinton. Well, you know who was partly, if not mostly, responsible for that was Newt Gingrich. And I'm hoping tomorrow that he's going to say that he's open to take that to take that job if the republican party truly wanted to seize this opportunity they would tell the american people in the party they would say you know what we're going to we're going to do something it's not we're not required to put a, a sitting congressperson in this job and we get it american people we're not like the democrats who just coronate somebody just because of longevity because they've been sitting around here for 30 years with the pulse we uh, these are treacherous times we have a president who in six and a half years has done everything he could to destroy this nation. And we must have somebody come in who can turn this ship around. Sorry for the mixed metaphors, but turn this ship around away from the iceberg and rewrite this ship and get us back in the direction. And that is Newt Gingrich. That's what I would love to hear happen uh, uh, t- tomorrow. If not, I don't know who we're going to end up with. Uh, there was some talk of this guy Webster out of Florida. I don't know who he is. Um, it's got to be somebody who has the courage of his convictions and a a love of the Constitution and what made this country great, who also can stand up to President Obama and who is not scared to go back into his district and say, here's what I did or didn't do. You know, we got to have courage. It's like Nani Darwish said, you got to have enough courage to name your enemy and its location. Speaking of the enemy within... We got John Kerry. We have Israel under complete attack right now. You know, as soon as that Iran nuclear deal was signed, I mean, it really started on them. And you know what? More and more, they know the Palestinians, Hamas, all these, all these different terrorist organizations, they all know. They know that we don't have Israel's back. They know that they know who the, that, that Obama is on their side. And, you know, they are just, they're going after Israel. And so there's been a series of attacks. And then we've got John Kerry, 
who, first of all, says it doesn't appear that the uh, acts are connected. Well, yeah, they're connected. They're connected by Islam. That's what it's about. Why are the Republican Party not saying that? I'm so tired of hearing this lone wolf crap or like Juan Williams saying these are kids. No, these are not kids. Yeah, they strap bombs on the kids. Hamas does and, and and, and, and Muslims do and the Islamists. But that's not what this is about. This is about Islam. And now he's telling Israel after they had some guy go crazy in a, in a bus terminal on them, telling them restraint. Well, we all know why, because last week on the Andrea K show here, I was talking about Obama's mentor and how he went to this million Muslim man march in D.C. last week and connected the dots and said that, you know, um, connected the dots between black liberation theology, Marxism and Muslims. That's the three legged stool. That's the three headed demon that's going on here. And that's what so much of this is about. The second hour of the Andrea K show is coming up. We got some more economics to talk about. We got to get into a little science here. We're going to talk about global warming. We actually have an interview with a doctor because we're going to find out what it's like to be a doctor uh, under these times with Obamacare. These are the people that I'm hoping when we talk about persuading Americans to understand, um, to reject the platitudes, the bumper sticker platitudes of socialism, maybe if they hear from people like Dr. Valletta, they'll, they'll understand the, what's real. It's fantasy. It's, it, it's utopia that the left and the socialists are trying to, trying to feed the American people with their poison gummy bears. It's the reality that we need to educate the American people on in the Republican Party. So we're going to hear from him. And um, hopefully we're going to hear from you. And we're, and we're going to introduce another new little segment on the Andrea K Show. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show and friend me on Facebook. And what's the score on the Giants game, Todd? What happened with there? Um, it's, uh, the Eagles are winning 27 to seven. Oh, all right. Well, you know what? Giants fans out there. I'm sorry about that. Well, but nobody you... likes Eli here in San Diego anyway. <laughs> oh, really? Now, why don't they like Eli here, Todd? Well, he, he was drafted by the Chargers and mm-hmm. he didn't want to play for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell you why they don't like him in New Orleans. <laughs> why is that? Cause Archie? Cause Archie. Uh, what did Archie do? I thought he was a hero no, that, the no, we didn't like that Manning family in New Orleans. None of the Saints wanted to play for him because he 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 didn't he didn't embrace the city. He didn't do like do like Drew Brees. He was always a Mississippi boy, always loved Mississippi, loved Ole Miss, never really became a part of the town. And, you know, his and his sons were kind of there was always they just were not even though they were born and raised there, Cooper Payton and, and Eli, they just really were not a part of the culture. Just they just really weren't. The first know. time the Giants played the Chargers with Eli as the quarterback here in San Diego, I went with my dad. Yeah, and we beat him, and when we were leaving, everyone was chanting "Sha na na na, Sha na na na, Hey, goodbye, Eli." <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I love that. All right, well, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys for this first hour of the Andrea K Show, but don't go anywhere because we got more coming up. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. Glad to have you all here with me. There's a little dynamite brewing on Facebook, Todd. You you went and did it now, boy. You went and said that we don't like Eli here in San Diego. 
And now Timothy, he, you know, he he posed a question for you. He said, "How many Lombardi trophy trophies do the Chargers have?" No Lombardi trophies, but we do have a Lambo that plays on the team. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> and you know what? This is for Timothy Shea. A little a little knowledge back in 1963, mm-hmm. the San Diego Chargers beat the Boston Patriots for the AFC Championship. Oh, did they really? Before there was a Super Bowl, yeah. Oh, awesome. Maybe we should play a little San Diego Super Chargers tonight. <laughs> hey, you know what? Speaking of football, Thursday night was a huge night. In the Superdome, okay? Who has beaten the Atlanta Falcons this year? Nobody but the Saints. The Saints finally woke up. We did. And in fact, um, one of the commentators after the show, uh, after the game, he said that the energy and the excitement in the Dome Thursday night, he said it felt just like that first game that they played in the Dome after Katrina. He said it was electric. It was exciting. They just came. Just There's just something about playing the Dirty Birds that just really gets uh, the, the Saints, you know, just fired up. And it was also... A great weekend for me with LSU because we stayed undefeated in Death Valley playing a really tough game against Florida. It's always tough playing Florida. Uh, we're number six. They were number eight. Tough game. So tough that my my girl Liz down in Baton Rouge. I mean, it's like that that gal needed two cigarettes and a shot of Jack Daniels afterwards. And she ain't much of a drinker. No, don't know. She don't smoke. That was a tough game. So um, anyway, we're just teasing you, Timothy. We know you're sad tonight. With your with your giants uh, losing, um, we got to make sure that we do not lose this 2016 presidential election. Okay, we have two. We have Trump, we have Fiorina, and we have Carson that are all outsiders that are winners. You know, I think it was Peggy posted something on Facebook today. What's up with the Republican Party being so stupid? Um, I, you know, it's because. The Republican, the establishment are all about power in the same way the Democrats are about power. And they don't want anybody who challenges that. Um, good news. And that's why immediately, because there's there's almost no daylight really at all um, between the establishments of both parties. And that's one reason why, you know, the, the big Wall Street guys who give just as much money to Hillary as they do to Jeb. And Jeb was just supposedly, you know, a lock. Well, uh, word came out today that he actually, his campaign has cut the salaries of a lot of people. I think almost everybody on staff, everybody on the campaign had a salary cut. Uh, many of, some people had a $75,000 a year salary cut, which makes me wonder how much money were these people making a year to suck up to Jeb and walk around wearing Jeb t-shirts. Um, but it's supposedly a sign that he might be leaving the race. And if so, that makes me very happy. I'm hoping that we're going to have more people leaving. A poll came out that in New Jersey, that Chris Christie, only 5% of the residents of New Jersey say say that they would vote for him for president. 5%. Now, this was a guy that threw the entire nation and every constituent in his state under the bus when he, when he gave Obama a hug in 2012. He said he did it for the residents of New Jersey. Really? Well, you didn't do them any favors, Christie, and they know it now. You didn't do them any favors when you propped up Obama and helped him get reelected so you supposedly could get Sandy recovery money that you were going to get anyway by the Congress. All you did was throw everybody under the bus and help him get get elected. And then you turned right around and took some of that recovery money to fund your own reelection. 
That says it all about you. So you, Kasich, who also couldn't deliver Ohio in 2012, all y'all, Pataki, all of you, Graham, down somewhere with, with polling numbers so low you don't even register, you need to get out and you need to let the people who have, a, who, who have something to say and a message. One of the things that the Dems had last week going for them was there was only five people on that stage. They Each candidate had an opportunity uh, to, to get their message out there. And that's what we need. That's how we're going to be able to maybe get into some in-depth answers to where we're going to be able to counter. If there's one person who I would think would be able to explain the benefits of capitalism over socialism, it would be Trump. We need to get down to about five people on the stage so that so that they can give a longer answer than five seconds and to be able to answer some of these questions. Um, speaking of Hillary um, and the Democrat debate. You know, she was saying last week, you know, we're the we're the we're the party that, you know, defends women and cares about women. Really? If you were the party that cared so much, it was that was so insulting to me as a woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the cackle we heard when Bernie propped her up and said, we don't want to hear any more about it. You know, the, them damn emails. <laughs> And you know what? Shame on Charles Krauthammer and other people who Republicans who came out and said, well, Bernie closed that email issue. It's done. It's over now. No, Bernie Sanders does not get to decide for the American people, nor should he decide for the Republican Party whether or not somebody who broke the law in the Espionage Act should be held accountable. That's your job, Congress. It's called oversight. You had one job. You should be on the ESPN segment. You had one job. Okay. Hold her accountable. So she's up there talking about how, you know, they're the party of women. They defend women. Did y'all hear the story about how the little Girl Scouts in Vegas that were with they I guess this venue that was hosting a Hillary event overbooked they booked Hillary and the Girl Scouts and when they found out that they had had Hillary and the Girl Scouts both booked they did the wrong thing what they should have done is they should have booted Hillary and allowed the Girl Scouts to come to their event because they in order to pay to go to that event they worked hard all fall they sold cookies they did other um, types of fall sales and selling chocolates and nuts and they were turned away because they were told that, that it was overbooked. So then the, the Girl Scout leaders, much to my chagrin, decided that they would take them to, you know, to see Hillary, and Hillary turned them away. Now, you tell me that if we had a Republican who was turning away the Girl Scouts or turning away some, some little girls, wouldn't that be like a bigger story in the media? But nobody cares. Um, anyway, what they care about in the Democrat Party. Let's talk about some... Um, nonsense going on here in California. This is where I shift and talk a little bit about the the California lunacy. Um, Speaking about not caring about women. In Texas, they care about women because they've defunded. Texas defunded Planned Parenthood. And um, they said that, you know, um, to Planned Parenthood, you and your affiliates don't need to worry about women and women getting any kind of health care because there's thousands of other government funded and Medicaid funded health care groups providing real health care to women in Texas because you're not providing any health care to women when you tell them a lie when you tell them that it's her body her choice when it's an entirely separate human being and you lie to them and you do not tell them that their baby is going to be chopped up and, and sold for parts like you know it's like it's a, an automobile that's about to go to the junkyard you're not doing anything for women. And in California, 
They're also not doing anything for women with AB 775, where they are forcing religious uh, pregnancy clinics to tell women and girls that California offers programs paid for for free abortions. Uh, the Pacific Justice Institute announced um, today uh, that on behalf of the clinics um, that they are going to file a lawsuit. And um, this is clearly a violation of the First Amendment. And, you know, Todd, in, in answer to the questions, and, and Christians need to be pushing back. Because here we've got another instance where we've got a Christian organization, organizations being targeted by the government, having their First Amendment rights being completely violated. We're not hearing anything about it. Where's the outrage from the Christian community as to the fact that what nine Christians were shot in the head for being Christian at a community college? What was that a week or two ago, Todd? We're not hearing a thing. We're not hearing anything. If that had been black people, the entire town would have been burned down and burned down with Sharpton holding the torch. But because it's white people and Christians, nobody's caring about it. And where's the Christians? Why aren't they speaking up? Uh, so Todd sent me some information, some stats on Christians. He says in 2004, uh, evangelical Christians made up 26% of eligible voters in America of 52 million. Um, of this, only 63% of Christians voted, and that made up 28%. That's still a lot of people, but if you think about 63%, you know, our country, the Christians are always complaining about the lack of morality in our country and and all the issues related to that. You know, in the black community, we've got uh, when teenage girls have pregnant have, have babies outside of marriage, they're 90% have a chance of, of it ending up in poverty, and Christians aren't voting. You're not voting. You know, well, in those statistics, too, the numbers, you know, in 2008 and then 12, it gets lower and lower than the amount of Christians voting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it goes from 25% down to, yeah, yeah, it keeps going down. So it's like, don't be complaining, Christians, as to what's happening, as to your country no longer being that you can't have a, you know, you can't wear a cross as a school teacher to school, that you can't, you know, you know, uh, have a Christmas tree somewhere. Or that Macy's isn't isn't tell, telling you Merry Christmas if you're not engaged. Don't complain about what's happening economically to this country. Don't complain about the fact that we're $17 trillion in debt. And America is actually 20,000 Americans at each rally are showing up for a man whose programs, Bernie Sanders, are going to cost $18 trillion. In addition to the $17 trillion we have, that is flat out going to bankrupt us and turn us into Cuba. And you're sitting home and you're not voting? Why? I get it. I get that Romney did not present a true much of a difference between him and Obama. But looking back, wouldn't you rather have Romney? Really? Wouldn't you rather have Romney? Well, one of the reasons why the Republican Party was granted the majority by the majority of the American people in the fall of 2014 was because of Obamacare. People started to see the reality. They started to see that there was not no decreased cost and there certainly was no increase of access to care because you can have a, a government issued piece of cheese in the form of an insurance card, but that doesn't mean a doctor has to take it. We're not there yet. Bernie Sanders wants us there. He wants it to be like in Cuba, to where doctors make the same every week as a bartender, and they don't have any choice as to who they see and what services they give. That's where they want to go. That's where they want to take medical care. And we got to be careful that that's not where we go. See, the, the left wants to tell you that's the carrot they want to dangle before, as they hand you that gummy bear poison. They want to tell you, oh, you know, nobody should die for lack of health care. Let the government take it over and everybody will have, have access to care. No, everybody will have access to, you know, a, a death pill because the panel is going to decide whether or not you live or die. 
because the government's going to have complete control over you as well as control over the doctors. So we're going to take a break. We come back. You're going to hear from Dr. Valletta, Damian Valletta, who is a doctor. He's going to talk about uh, this is part of the Bellatrix business block. This is where my friend Alicia Dern goes and finds great businesses for us to have here on the Andrea K Show. And they talk about trying to run a business in today's economy under these regulations. Um, you know, Marxists, you know, want to tell us here, well, you know, we're not really Marxists. We're not communists because we're not taking over the pink slip. We're not owning production. Well, if you own, what's the difference? If you control the means of production through regulations, it's the same thing. You might as well have the pink slip. And that's where they want to go. That's where they want to take us. So we're, like I said, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's the Bellatrix business block. You're going to hear from Dr. Damien Valletta regarding Obamacare. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, well, I'd like to introduce Dr. Damian Valletta here uh, in San Diego. And I'm sorry, the name of your practice is Valletta Orthopedics. Valletta Orthopedics. Well, welcome. I'm really excited to talk to you today. And I really wanted to talk about the business of medicine and, and what it takes to open up a successful medical practice in today's regulatory uh, environment. I know we talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, you, you've been in business now for how, how many years? Uh, be 10 years. 10 years. And uh, has it gotten harder to, to start up a medical practice in the last decade? You know, when I started 10 years ago, there was a lot I had to navigate without a lot of guidance. There were not a lot of resources available. Mm-hmm. And as I see changes in compliance with electronic medical records and the government becoming a larger provider of medical services, um, it's going to increase the regulation. So um, some of the new regulatory requirements for our electronic health record requiring that us have um, integration between medical records. Mm-hmm. That certainly is going to be a compliance issue as well as all the privacy policies, the right. HIPAA policies that are out there, which are privacy protection policies for patients. Um, those all have very stiff penalties if those policies are, are, are violated. So certainly there's a lot more regulatory concerns today than there were 10 years ago. And it's a challenge for anyone coming out of medical school, starting a practice, um, 
Yeah, you consider. can't just you know go out and hang out your shingle anymore. No, right. and and if you did, um, very likely there would have to be consulting resources to make sure you weren't inadvertently getting yourself into some sort of regulatory quagmire, putting yourself at risk for penalties. Yeah, because they don't exactly teach business. I mean, when you're in med school, you're like, hopefully you're learning medicine, right? Not not business. Exactly. And the business they do teach you has to do with how to identify whether there's a need for your specialty in a particular region of the country. How many specialists in your specialty should there be per 100,000 people? So the business side of it is, is there a need for what you're providing? Mm-hmm. Not, can you make money in that market? Right. And can a private practice survive given the reimbursement rates of the payers in that region of the country? Right. As well as the fact of on the on a day-to-day basis with all the regulations, the paperwork. It's like somebody's got to manage that while you're seeing patients all day. Somebody's got to be in charge of all the administrative aspects of it. And if you didn't learn that in medical school because you were busy learning how to replace a knee, uh, you know, how do you know you know, that you've got somebody competent and, and certainly that makes it harder to make a profit too when you have to bring on more and more and more people because the requirements for regulation are more and more and more and more, correct? Exactly. And one of those decisions you have to make is, do you accept some of the managed care plans that usually require preauthorization right. for almost every medication sometimes and any procedure or ancillary study you want to perform, such as an MRI an X-ray, a CT, or some advanced imaging, or because you would need to add so many extra people to do all those pre-authorizations, do you just not take those plans, see fewer volume of people, and maybe get plans that pay a little more but don't require those extra steps, thereby eliminating one full-time position in your office? So there becomes the numbers game where all that extra authorization requires more personnel and is more costly, but you see a lot more people because a lot more people are in these lesser expensive plans. But the reality is if you really crunch the numbers, it may make more sense to stay viable just focusing on quality of care, not having barriers to getting the patient the testing they need um, or the service that they are they're going to require. So um, my practice has steered towards that direction, uh, understanding that there will be a certain amount of people in the population that just want the best care available. Mm-hmm. And although I would like to make that available for everyone, and I certainly am happy to see anyone, I do understand that by not taking some of the insurances that reimburse less, I've partitioned myself out of that marketplace. Right. I, mean, it's, I think it's a little sad that uh, the insurance, the environment that we have with insurance now, it actually does force professionals to really gear their their practices either from volume or higher quality. I actually see the same thing in the legal industry. You know, I there are some legal insurances out there, and then you get paid so little money for the amount of work that's involved that it, it, there's, it's not worth it. You know, so then only the very rich can afford the services. And then there's a crisis because there's a low access to justice, as they say. Yeah. So are you seeing the same thing with medicine? Uh, I am, specifically as... The trend goes towards these group plans and hospital systems now become insurance providers. We know locally there are several major hospital systems that now provide their own insurance. And it used to be you used to have large national carriers of insurance. Well, now the local markets have entered the insurance game, Hmm. getting into these managed care plans, which leaves very few people in these private 
preferred plans or the PPO plans, often they're referred to. Right. And uh, that makes competing for those individuals harder. But more importantly, you end up stratifying your access to care. Those that have a choice in who they see, who are in these preferred PPO plans, and those that have to see the list that their insurance gave them. So when you ask yourself, well, how has that changed the quality or access to care? My concern is every business learns how to make a profit by crunching the numbers. One of the most expensive costs is personnel. So if you could hire four family practice physicians to cover X number of patients, as opposed to eight of them, you're going to hire four of them. That means you're going to work them much harder, seeing a higher volume of patients, which means it's going to take longer for patients to see you, and it's your time with the physician may be shorter. Right. And so those there's are things, the quality issue. Those are the things that the patients are always complaining about, you know, the long waits, the doctors in and out, and not the co- there's not the coordination between your doctors. Uh, you know, I've personally experienced that. You know, I, whenever I go to the doctor, I have to bring him, him my file and kind of explain to him everything that I've been doing with my other doctors because mm-hmm. they just don't have the time to, to get to know me in the same way. Well, one of the, the the reasons why we have the regulation, I guess we should just say it, Obamacare, right? The uh, reason why we have this now is supposedly because people couldn't afford insurance anymore, and it was supposed to reduce cost. But the word cost is so vague that it ended up not reducing anybody's cost because it didn't really address what the real issues are and what the cost actually are. Can you speak for that for a couple minutes as to what are the actual cost of health care and how can an insurance plan actually reduce does it can it even address the actual cost and how do you reduce the cost through insurance in this country we're fortunate to have advancements in technology and research which drive innovation and with that sort of capital market there will be increasing costs as newer technologies develop to study things New equipment's more expensive. Imaging's more expensive. The assays you run for blood work, which is testing for certain things, becomes more expensive. So I think just like, you know, your cost of living every year generally tends to go up a bit, there will always be some escalating costs in medicine. With that, you then have to balance the fact, do employers pay a certain amount per employee to cover their medical care, which most employers are doing? How much of that money are they paying And of that money that they pay, where is it going? I think the cost in medicine is unfortunately getting drawn into this vacuum in the middle. And it is true that costs go up in providing care, but I think more often than not what we're missing is the fact that we're allowing a vacuum in the middle of administration of medical insurance Mm -hmm. to suck so much money out of the middle that we've lost the employer payment for that employee going to the provider, the hospital, the company that makes the brace. Right. It's the, it's the paperwork, right? It's the paperwork. Right. And if you look at the profits, they're going in the middle. The insurance companies suck so much money out of the middle that you're left with a void of resources that could have been better applied to the provider, to the hospital, and right. to the brace company or to the, med- the pharmaceutical maker of the medicine, even though there's been a lot of you know contention regarding them, them making too much money at the same time more of the money is lost in the middle than there is actually being overpaid for pharmaceutical products, I imagine. I think an example of this, I was really astounded. You told me that the application for Medicare was like 1,100 pages. Is that right? Yeah, I I think it's a one. That's the application for the doctor to be approved to provide, to 
take Medicare patients? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a. I think it's a. I think 120 some pages for the application for Medicare. Um, but don't get into what the regulatory codes are right. and how much mm. paperwork that's going to be that you're going to be held accountable for if you become a provider of Medicare. You're accountable to regulations that are probably, you know, so many pages it's like our tax code. Um, mm-hmm. you're, <laughs> right. you're upheld to it, but you have no idea what's really in there. Right. I think it's really difficult for any small business to start up now. I mean, you have to have... Oh, you practically have to have a law degree to understand everything you're supposed to comply with. And then something that's highly regulated like medicine, it's, you know, probably 10, 20 times worse. You know, maybe the intentions behind the regulations are good intentions, but there's such a burden that all it does is I think it causes people to just quit. Well, there's a, there's a theory going around that, and this is a question for both of you, mm-hmm. because there's a theory that if you, um, that we're a litigious society and that, um, I can't even remember what what it's called in terms of tort reform. You know, that one of the biggest expenses that a lot of law practices have is um, liability insurance because of lawsuits. Speak to that in terms of whether or not, you know, uh, tort reform will actually reduce cost and whether or not that's needed. Well, uh, you know, I can tell you that malpractice insurance for my law practice is fairly expensive, but I think it is much more expensive from doctors from what I understand. Uh, You know, our tort system is a little bit out of control, uh, but in California, there are caps on damages and there's still a bunch of lawsuits. So I'm not sure that anything that the legislature is going to propose actually will stop the problems. Um, I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, You know, I, 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 you know, I sympathize with somebody who's been injured and wants to get compensation for something. But at the same time, we need to be able to have uh, medicine practice in a way that's um, allows for greater access. And all this regulation is just so burdensome that there has to be a better way, even if it means that maybe a few more people are going to get hurt. It is true that the uh, cost of medical malpractice in certain states are certainly not very well regulated. And in Philadelphia, um, there is seemingly no limit to the amount of damages someone can get for um, an injury. Where in California, with the uh, tort reform in California, it caps those damage, non-economic damages, to I think two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right, that's right. Yeah. And so, I, I think the premium certain malpractice carriers charge is reduced in California compared to other areas in the country. I still think it comes down to a basic premise of what our society's expectations are in terms of if there was a failure to make a timely diagnosis of something that mm-hmm. led to an advancement or some harm to the patient, um, how is that best compensated? And is it still best compensated by making such an example out of that physician for not picking up on something soon enough that a $10 million settlement should be given for that um, versus what may be done in other countries through arbitration? And that is pay for the person who was injured pay for their economic expenses of the injury and maybe something to also offset their earning potential that would have helped them support their family. Yeah, I think your answer was better than mine. <laughs> there are there are systems set up in countries like Australia and New Zealand where they have schedules and it seems to work better for the torts because you're right, I think the punitive damages, doctors are human beings, the lawyers are mm-hmm. human beings, we, we don't always catch everything and unless it's something gross negligence, it's it's hard to, to justify punishing people that way. Or destroying their life right. because they made a mistake. Right. You know, if it was an honest mistake. 
I was in Norway a few months ago and had come into contact with someone who was uh, uh, talking to me about a family member that was hit by a drunk driver and now was um, disabled from being hit by a drunk driver. And I said, oh, what happened you know, to the person? And the short story was it had to do with Norway. Um, the person who hit them wasn't responsible for any damages mm-hmm. that the government system took care of the person who was injured. It was taking care of the injured. Right. And if we put our malpractice money into a fund to take care of those who were injured, Ooh. I mean, right. then all this extra, all the money that actually flows through litigation, that really is a waste of those resources. Uh-oh, Alicia. Uh-oh, Alicia. <laughs> we ran out of jobs. Well, I, don't do, I don't do medical malpractice. So okay. Good. Um, so just real quickly for our listeners, can you tell them uh, if, if they need to see an orthopedist, how they can find you? Uh, yeah, generally... Um, the musculoskeletal system, you know, is, is, is pretty good about warning you if there's something going wrong. Swelling, um, you're, if you start limping, if you have an area that's still limited function that you've been unable to get resolved over several weeks, it's probably an indication you should have someone identify the source of that, whether it's something you're doing um, repetitively that's causing you to stay injured or if there's something actually structurally wrong in your joint. But swelling, that is not going away after, you know, a week. Um, a limp or the inability to move a joint through full motion, those are all signs that you should get a better and more accurate diagnosis so someone can guide you on how to get things resolved. How can they find you? Um, ValettaOrtho.com is our website. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a practice here up in the La Jolla UTC area as well as Kearney Mesa and an office in Coronado. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Absolutely. I hope you guys all enjoyed um, listening a little bit to Dr. Valletta. I really enjoyed him. I've, first of all, I've begun to have a way new respect for orthopedes after I um, ended up with calcific tendonitis in both my shoulders, frozen shoulder, my right shoulder. Then I broke my left shoulder skiing across a street in in Breckenridge. I won't tell you how that happened. But anyway, um, God bless orthopedes because, you know, I know so many people. I don't know what it is now. Um... I my next door neighbor who's probably only 45 had had a knee replacement of uh, another friend of mine had a shoulder replacement uh, um, a couple of weeks ago. Just so many people I know have an, another friend of mine a few years ago had both knees replaced. I know so many people with joint issues right now. It's really important to know a good orthopede. <laughs> um, if Obamacare continues like it is. We're going to have to hope that we, you know, we all can afford some VIP concierge uh, services because I don't know what's going to happen if we're going to, you know, they're going to be telling us who gets a new hip and who doesn't. And, you know, another friend of mine, his mother was 70 something years old. And, you know, I think that cutoff is going to be 70 and you're not even going to be able to be approved for major surgeries. Uh, Sarah Palin was right about the death panels. So, it, you know, we've got um, Doc Porbin. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you might have seen Sean Porbin. I call him Doc. He has been documenting for since Obamacare uh, came about because he sees a lot of geriatric patients and a lot of uh, uh, patients get referred uh, to orthopedes from him. And he's been talking about the issues with Obamacare and the regulations and the stacks and stacks of paperwork. It's like he's got to spend most of his day doing paperwork now instead of seeing patients. It's a real problem. Um, anyway, um but that's the nonsense that's going on with the left and the American people are buying it. You know, the American people who, you you know, it, it, you look at what's happening and how aggravating it is to go to the DMV and that's who you want in charge of your health care. I mean, why are Americans, you know, you can look all again, as I've said before, you look all around the world and you can see the government run health care is abysmal everywhere it's been done. But you can also see 
Um, you know, why are Americans also buying into the climate change hoax? I mean, it's obviously a hoax. I mean, God bless that guy who makes the, that scientist who created the vacuum cleaners, that, that Dyson guy who came out last week and he's like, tell me how all these supposed genius sciences are buying into this crap, please. It's like that guy better go and hide now, get some security because they're going to be coming after him. In fact, I saw on Fox that there's a group of scientists that want anybody like Dyson who comes out and says that they don't agree with climate change, that you be criminally prosecuted. See, that's also what's coming. That's what's coming with the Islamization over in in the Islamicized uh, Europe over there. There are children being put in prison. Read the book while Europe slept. Children being put in prison, in jail, I guess I should say, because if they've criticized or, or said something that doesn't go along with the hate speech legislation that's going on over there, that's something else that's coming here. But until then, we can still have some scientists coming out and saying shocking things like this. You know, at the Democrat debate last week, they were all asked what the number one threat that we face as a nation, and the majority of them said climate change. Meanwhile, we've got a... a yeah, crazy, right? I think they've already been eating some poison gummy bears. But in, in um, but a Dr. Indur Gokhlani, I guess he's from India, in a paper for the Global Warming Policy Foundation, um, he actually says that the rising level of carbon dioxide in the Earth's atmosphere is, is a net beneficial but for both humanity and the biosphere generally. Talking about somebody who's going to need some security. Here's a guy who's come out and said that carbon dioxide emissions are making the earth greener and more fertile. Well, who would have thought of that? Wow. It actually fertilizes plants. It's actually good. It, it has a hugely beneficial effect on crops, he says. It's increasing yields at least 10 to 15 percent. What a kook this guy is. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, we have something called climate change. And, and yeah, that's that's seasons, right? Anyway, um, it's a hoax. But the American people are believing it because that great scientist, Al Gore, did a little movie called Inconvenient Truth done by the same people that did an ABC documentary saying that by the year 2015, all of all of Florida and uh, Manhattan were going to be underwater because the ice caps were were supposedly melt and we have americans believing it um something else that americans have believed um which is uh, nonsense and that is that the way to make people safer is to stick them in gun-free zones so on the heels of nine people being shot in the head for being christian in a gun-free zone by somebody who what broke the law by bringing guns there Um, What do we have here? We've got Governor Moonbeam. I think I might have mentioned this in last week's show. He's now done another piece of legislation banning concealed handguns on on college and school campuses, putting bullseyes on the back of our people. Um, But they're not content with that. Something else that came out in the Democrat debate is, you know how they're going to get our guns? Hillary Clinton's referencing, just like Obama, Australia, which was a, a, a gun confiscation scheme through a buyback plan. That's they they are in gun confiscation mode. And one of the ways if they can't get that over on the American people, the backdoor way they're going to do it is they're going to do it by holding the gun manufacturers responsible for any deaths. So let's say the gun manufacturer of the gun that that uh, that kid used in UMCA, um, that they'll be on the hook and they'll be sued. So basically, their plan is to bankrupt the gun manufacturers and then try to do a gun buyback plan on the American people. I posed this question last week. Will the American people push back against it? 
If we've got an American people that are willing, that are showing up 20,000 people or more, loving what Bernie Sanders has to say, we've got the American people like this California congressman on CNN tonight saying that Syrian refugees are the humanitarian crisis of our time. Are you kidding me? If, if we've got people believing that, then you know what? We are at a point where we've got an America that would hand over their guns. In fact, we had a gun buyback plan going on here in California a few years ago. And you know what? If you want to give, you want to sell your gun back, fine. You go right ahead. But you know what? I've posted pictures. I don't post pictures of me with my guns. I think it's kind of cheesy for women to do that. Oh, look at me with, with my gun. Um, uh, depending on how the picture's done. Um, but y'all know that I've got... I protect myself. I'm armed. And, you know, what I posted a picture recently of that. And then some people were like, well, that's not really adequate or whatever. Well, I'm comfortable with it, you know. So, hey, that's my gun, gun of choice. Um, they'll have to look down the barrel of it to get it from me. I ain't giving it up. And I'm telling you that right now. And I think, you know, Pamela Ann said um, on Facebook when she raised the question, why aren't more Christian people standing up? She says she's willing to die. Somebody said to me, you know, would you, if, if, if you were in that school and somebody asked you after the first person was shot in the head for being a Christian, would you admit you were a Christian? I said, you know what? I would like to think that I would. Nobody knows how you would react in that moment. But I would like to think that as a Christian, I would stand up and say, hell yeah, I'm a Christian. But don't you think Jesus would want you to live? I mean, he would, would not want, he, no, he would want me, no, because I'm going to heaven. But this time here on earth. some crazed maniac with a gun. To deny not, him, to deny Jesus? No, he would not want me to, no, absolutely not. He would not want me to deny him. I would like, I would think he would want you to live than rather be killed. I would think he would want me, I would think he would want me to um, be a, as, as a Christian, someone who understands that my time here on earth is just a, a blink of an eye compared to eternity in, in heaven. And if you believe in Jesus, how can you deny him? But is that denying him? Is that denouncing him? Telling Yes. I mean, if they say, are you a Christian? And you say no, because you think you might be shot for being a Christian. I, I would like to think I'd be like every one of those ones who stood up and said, just like the ones that were trotted on a beach uh, by by the the Muslims. And they refused. There are children over in the Middle East, children recently, uh, a week or two ago, I reported here on the show. These, they were children who refused to denounce Christ uh, to Muslims, knowing they were about to get murdered. And in part, probably because they knew they, they, they might have known they were going to be murdered anyway, because the Muslims knew they were Christians. So, you know, denying it at that point might not have saved them. But yeah, I would like to think that I would, because, you know, then I get to go to heaven anyway. So, hey, we're going to take a break. I'm behind on a break. Last one for the show. And then I'm going to introduce a new segment. I want to have a little, I want to lighten it up a little bit. We've got so much spice here. Let's have a little sugar. So don't change that dial because we've got more. I'm introducing a new segment on the other side of the break. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? 
Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Ooh, that's one of my favorites. Ooh, you, y'all know I love me a smooth groove. It always gets me into a good mood. And I actually uh, heard something that got me in a good mood today. I was riding around, and I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm pinching an idea from another show host today because I was driving around. And I heard Ryan Seacrest did this segment called "Tell Me Something Good," and he had callers call in and and say something positive and upbeat. And I thought, you know what, that would be a good way to kind of wrap up the show because we talk about so many things that are serious and these are very serious treacherous times but I also like to keep it light I like to have fun and I like to make sure that my spirit is you know that I stay positive because there is still so much good going on we are still the greatest nation in the world with the greatest people with the the American exceptionalism is more than just our entrepreneurship which is wonderful it's more than our creativity and and which is what has led to all the products we've brought to market. But it's also our spirit, our love of mankind and who we are as, as a people. It's just inherent. And that, again, goes back to our Judeo-Christian principles. So um, so I wanted to introduce that segment. He calls it the Tell Me Something Good segment. Well, I can't even pinch his title for the segment. So I thought I'd call this the What You Know Good segment. <laughs> and so I was thinking about positive stories i already said one earlier in the show which is that my saints beat the falcons thursday night and then lsu had a fantastic victory saturday night oh and alabama beat texas a&m saturday afternoon which helped lsu in the rankings so i had a great football weekend i'm not gonna talk about the chargers um that's good and then i also saw a great story that somebody posted on facebook i'm not sure who did thank you for posting it halloween's coming up and i saw this beautiful video and i don't remember the gentleman's name but he actually transforms wheelchairs into amazing costumes i think one of them was like uh, maybe a crocodile or an alligator and I can't another one looked like it was a Sesame Street character and I and just and the joy on these kids faces I just thought it was fantastic and it just you know the 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 time that this man puts into this and what a tremendous thing thing to do for children because when you're a child it's tough enough to be in a wheelchair and to be you know struggling with that but you know, at a, at a time or Halloween when all the other kids are getting to enjoy Halloween and wear the costumes. I just thought that was wonderful and tremendous. So hat tip to that guy for doing that. I wish I had some kind of creativity or craftiness. I don't. But anyway, I hat just tip Googled to him. them and there's some really interesting and clever ones. I, they're like, because he incorporates the wheels. So it's like right. bulldozer, please car, <laughs> please stop, please car. I want, I want him to make me one. I want him, I, I. I'll ride around in a wheelchair. He could take he could take our, the Mark Larson seat right here, turn it into something really cool. 
Do you have a good feel-good story? I do. Um, the other day, I mean, this part isn't good about it. A wedding was called off. A groom had uh, cold feet, mm. and he decided to call off the wedding. Well, instead of uh, losing the $35,000 deposit and having all the uh, food and stuff go to waste, the the mother and the father of the bride invited 90 homeless people wow. to come in and, and enjoy the food. Wow, that's very cool because, you know, most women who get stood up at the altar would not respond with thinking about somebody else or her family. I mean, usually you would think somebody loses 35 G's on a reception. You think that they'd be they'd be hunting him down with <laughs> yeah with a rifle like I got. <laughs> yeah, big boomstick. Yeah, I was up in Sacramento and it was so nice. It was at a four star uh, restaurant. And they wow. had stuff, uh, salmon, tri-tip, and I almost said ganochi, but I think it's called nochi. Noki. Noki. There you go. Noki. Yeah, it's like an Italian little Italian dumplings. And it showed one of the one of the homeless kids that was there with his family. So this is something I've never experienced with my family. Aww, huh. that's so sweet. That's, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, turn, turn something bad into something good. Yeah, you might as well. Um, that kind of reminds me of a story of. My brother's friend back in the day when we were still living in New Orleans, you know, he, um, his ex-girlfriend who had dumped him for somebody else. This isn't a feel good story, but I'm, I don't know why I'm telling it anyway. <laughs> he, um, his ex-girlfriend dumped him and got engaged to somebody else. And he, he impersonated the guy and canceled all the wedding plans. And then he went and waited outside and watched everybody show up and there was no caterer. And anyway, that's not a feel good story. I don't know why I told that. Anyway. I guess it's a feel-good story for Dennis. <laughs> he enjoyed his day. Maybe he gives uh, someone else out there some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't ideas. have. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, feel good for, for Hillary haters, though. I mean, I, the word is Biden's getting in the race. And for people who hate Hillary, you know, they're really sitting back and just going to love the fact that she thought she was going to walk it in, you know, and yeah, the the... Take, you know, the first woman president that it was, she was going to have to do, she was going to, you know, walk it in with not even have an answer question. People are all, all excited over that. So we'll see what happens with that. Let me see if I've got any other stories I want to get to before we wrap up tonight. Well, it's not going to be the guy Chafe. Did he, the guy that was. Oh, Lincoln uh, Chafee? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That guy threw his dad under the bus, did he? <laughs> oh, well, didn't you vote for such and such? Yeah, my dad had just died. It's like, What? Well, they, you know that Bernie Sanders, his slogan on Twitter, like his followers, they say, fill the burn, that oh, hashtag yeah. fill the burn. So everyone yeah. was kind of mocking this chafe because they said, fill the chafe. <laughs> and then people <laughs> say, no, no one's feeling the chafe. Yeah. Well, you know what? Mar- if Marco Malley had had any sense, that dude would have walked out without a shirt because that, all he that man has going for him is a six pack. OK, so, you know, he I don't know what he was thinking. Um a lot of people are speculating it's called the Tom Sawyer ticket. I don't know where that came from, really, but it that thinking that they're predicting it's going to be Biden and Warren. The, I think the theory, the conventional wisdom is, is that Hillary's got some health issue that she's going to use as an excuse and, and kind of step away. Mm-hmm. Because the FBI, Bernie Sanders can be saying nobody gives a damn about your emails, but the FBI has not pulled away from their investigation. And there's a lot of speculation that Obama, for the Hillary haters out there, there's a lot of speculation that Obama's really behind that FBI push and that she really is looking at 10 years.
And um, I personally don't think we'll ever see a day where Hillary Clinton will spend one day behind bars. But I do think it's possible that the reason why Biden's getting the push to get in is because they are going to push Hillary out. And it's going to be you walk away. You can't win it. You walk away and you don't have to go to prison. And you can you can say that you've got some kind of health issue. That's what I think is going to have have happened. Um, I want I probably should have saved my feel good segment a little bit later because I, I want to get back to something serious before we wrap up. I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about Carrie, you know, how do we have a guy who tossed his dog tags away and bad mouthed his fellow, you know, brothers in arms as a secretary of state. But he came out today and said that there was no military solution to what's going on in the Middle East. No military solution. And our U.S. pilots were actually told not to engage aggression, uh, aggressive Russian jets out there. So, you know, um, we need to say some continued prayers for our military over there, because one of the ways that the American people have been manipulated and tempted to take a bite of these, you know, poisonous gummy bears is through um, the use of our military. What you did not hear in the Democrat debate was you heard a whole lot of competition between them for what they can give to illegals that are coming here, illegals in the, in the form of coming from South America and Mexico, as well as illegals coming here in, under refugee status. You didn't hear a word about our veterans. Didn't hear a word. We've got program after program uh, set up to provide housing, food, jobs, all Medicare, Medicaid, all every different kind of entitlement program you can think of to refugees coming here from the Middle East while we've had over 300,000 veterans die waiting for care from from the VA. That is absolutely, that's the humanitarian crisis of our time. Not Syrian, not even Syrian, but not invaders that want to come here to take us over from within. That is not a humanitarian crisis and the Republican Party needs to speak up against that. Um. Speaking of football, did you hear that here in California they've banned the Redskins banner, Todd, that they've got like a the circle with the cross through it? Yeah, I suppose he can't even say the name or something. Well, so what are you supposed to do? Is this supposed to be like Prince when he when he stopped calling himself Prince and well, he did a symbol? Well, it's like Bob Costas. He won't say Redskins. He says the Washington football team. Oh, please. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's on the level of Prince. Um, you know, the, the artist formerly known as Prince. So this is the football team formerly known as the well, Redskins. Uh, it was I mean, interesting. How dumb can we get? I went to Point Loma Nazarene here in San Diego yeah. and uh, back in like 1997, and our mascot was the Crusader. Okay. Well, that, okay. they couldn't have that. That wasn't PC because it, it was like, a, you know, him charging in a battle with like a sword or something. Mm-hmm. So they, cha- they changed the name and they had a big boat and stuff and they changed it to the Sea Lions. But it's not a sea lion from the sea. It's like a lion with a seaweed mane. Oh, she! It's the worst. Oh, that sounds almost ever. that. That sounds almost like a mermaid. Yeah, like kind of like a lion mermaid thing. I don't know. That's I so used to sad. love the Crusaders. Kevin Davis, the the uh, general. Oh, he manager, went there too. He went to Point Loma Nazarene also. Oh, awesome! No wonder I like you guys. Hey, have your water rates gone up yet? For, uh, they're going up 40%. They're going up 40%. Do you know why they're going up 40%? Because we save too much water. We conserve too much. Here's the insanity that's going on in liberal land, at least out here in California, and so goes, so goes California. So the government decides to create a drought out here and withhold water from all the farmers up up in the area. Talk about hating you know, and not loving on the low and middle class and not loving on the farm workers. Uh, they blamed the farmers and accused the farmers of using 80% of 
the water, which is a lie. They only use 40% of the water. So they create a drought uh, in order to save a smelt up there in, in, in the middle of the area. So then because of this man-made drought, then they try to force us to conserve. But then because San Diego's conserved too much, now they're hitting us with a 40% water increase because we've conserved too much. That's liberalism. And <clears throat> for some reason, the American people out here in California have continued to vote for more and more and more of it. I don't know at what point they're going to finally wise up here. Um, we This used to be, they've literally destroyed the state of California. It used to have the greatest schools. It used to be the greatest economy. <coughs> um, it was manufacturing and technology. Um, Mecca and liberalism has destroyed it. Marxism and Muslims are the two main ways that they're trying to take us over from within. We're being manipulated and tempted to take a bite of the poison gummy bears, and I'm hoping the Republican Party can have a message to counter it. <laughs> Sorry for coughing. Hey, thanks for joining me tonight. Monday nights, every every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on AM 1170, The Answer. I'm also on Craig's Sewing Show every Tuesday, 6 p.m., right here on AM 1170, The Answer. And uh, let's keep this conversation rolling. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. And have a great night, everybody. Love you all. The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K.